This podcast is brought to you by Equus Grooming Products, human-grade cosmetic ingredients. Wow. So, Joey, I could use these products on myself? You absolutely can. And you know what? It's easy rinsing. It lathers up real good. It's just clean, clean product. Hook me up. Welcome to the very first Doc Halligan Unleashed with Joey Villani podcast. I can't believe it. It's been so long. It's been, what, like 15 years that we've been talking about this? I mean, meeting you on the set of Groomer Has It changed my life. And we're going to help pets because of it. Everyone needs to listen to this podcast because it's going to be great. And they're even going to get the medical minute tip from you and and be able to keep their dogs in tip-top shape. That's right. I'm going to share a tip every podcast. And we want people to ask us questions. You're going to get free vet grooming pet advice. How do you do that? Well, you want to just go to docandjoeyunleashed at gmail.com. Ask us any question. You can even ask us about anal glands because we're going to talk about it. Right, Joey? Absolutely. And listen, like and share this because everyone knows somebody that has a pet. So you'll be helping out your friends. You'll be helping out their pets. And if you don't like them, we like their pets anyway. So, you know, share it with them. And we have an animal psychic coming on, which is going to be really cool. We have other special guests. We have a psychic coming on? We do. I hope she don't read my mind. We also have... Brandon McMillan. You know who he is? The trainer that was on Lucky Dog on Channel 2? Saturday morning, guys. Yes. We also have Judy Mancuso, Social Compassion Legislation. She's going to talk about all these bills that are going out there to protect animals. And we have Lori, who does voiceover on SpongeBob and Family Guy, and she's a big animal advocate, and she's just a hoot. I had to look her up, um, and she's, wow, she's pretty famous. She does a lot of voiceovers for a lot of people, so it's pretty cool. It's an infotainment podcast of 30 minutes, medical, pet advice, and fun listening with Doc and Joey Kibitzing. Wait wait a minute. Hold on. Don't leave out the grooming part, you know? We got got a whole pet stylist here, the greatest in the world. We just leave, we just skate right over to just medical? No. We got some, we got some, you know, some styling advice here. Joey, I want you to do the honors and read our very first question. So we have Sue here from Burbank, and she wants to know, should groomers be pulling the hair out of their dog's ears? to avoid any type of ear infections. And I know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to turn it over to you first. That's a big one because so many dogs have hairy ears. I can't tell you guys. Part of my exam is we have these otoscopes, okay? So the dog's ear canal is an L-shaped. If you put your hand in front of your face and do an L, okay? That's what their, yeah, that's what their ear canal looks like. So we have like a three-inch cone that we have to look down to see their eardrum. Now, our ear canal is very short, like maybe two inches straight. So the ear canals are super long, and lots of breeds of dogs have hairy ears. You know, people have hairy backs. Dogs have hairy ears, certain breeds, right? I mean, Not it, me. Yeah, well, that's Not good me. to know. No hairy back. All right, that's good. Uh, so that's um, been a question for a long time. Now, it used to be in the day that we would think, oh, all that hair really predisposes them to getting an ear infection. So we would typically pull all that hair out, whether they had a problem or not. And 
we realize now from years of doing this that if the dog has hairy ears, but it doesn't have a problem with the ear infections, leave it. You know, they say, ain't broke, don't fix it. Now, if a dog comes into me and I can smell it a mile away and I see that hair, you know, like how those old men have hair sticking out of their ears. And I go, oh gosh, well, in order to clean that hairy ear canal, I have to pluck the ears because I can't get all the debris. Then that means the medicine can't treat it. So the short answer is if there's a problem, you got to pluck. If they're fine, don't pluck. What, what's your opinion? Totally 100% agree with you completely. I'm going to go a little bit further on the groomer's end. Um, if it's excessive, um, where, you know, you have some of these dogs and, and actually it, sometimes it even mats up in there. I say remove it, but I say be gentle. Now, the problem I have with groomers, and I'm going to get a little bit attacked on this from my fellow peers, but I don't care because this is the belief and this is what I've seen. We have an industry that is not safety regulated. So here's the problem that I see. Now, I recommend that all groomers disinfect and clean their equipment, especially the hemostats, which you need to pluck some of that hair out. It's what doctors use actually to clamp off um, arteries, but for just, just say a modified tweezer. So I'm, I'm able to go down in the ear canal a little bit deeper than my fingers can and pull things out. And if you're uncomfortable with that, I think groomers should just use their fingers and that's much safer. But if you have to do it, Number one, you have to make sure it's clean because even on a good ear clean, healthy ear canal, when you stop plucking and you irritate that canal now and you go in with a dirty instrument, then you're causing a problem. I recommend leaving it alone as much as possible as a groomer. And if it needs attention, especially if it smells, they need to go see you. I'm, I'm for beauty, okay? I, I, I should be doing things for aesthetic reasons where you should be doing them for medical reasons. And that's how I leave. I got to tell you, we could talk about this all day. We're going to get that 30 minutes and we're going to talk about this, okay? It's one of the most common problems that I'm seeing as a vet is ear infections. And you're right. I, I will take back a little bit. If I have a dog that makes a lot of wax, now wax is normal, right? We have wax that kind of lubricates your ear, helps the eardrum from drying out. Some of these dogs make so much wax, and you're right. They'll come in, and they'll have, like, dingleberries and dreadlocks in their ear canals there just from the wax. So, yes, as a groomer, if you see that, what Joey's saying is true. You need to remove the hair with the wax. And I there's powders that you can put in. I want to get your take on this, that you put in to help loosen the hair so that it's easier to pluck that out. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, we use ear powder um, routinely um, to, you know, mainly to dry the canal so we can get a better grip. It's almost like what what, what a ballet dancer would put on their shoes, like rosin, you know, to give them, give them traction. But we, we do that. And then we also swab the ear out with an ear cleaning solution, like an OD cleanse or something like that, um, depending on what you use. But a professional ear solution. I don't recommend making homemade stuff um, because you don't know what you're doing, actually. So buy professional stuff, clean it out. And you tell me if this is wrong. After I dry the ear canal out with a cotton ball, sometimes I'll put a little of that powder back in just to, to, to dry that, that canal. So a couple things with that. So thank you, Sue, for bringing up like this amazing question. Pet owners should be smelling their dog's ears on a regular basis. Why? Because if they smell like dirty socks, there's a problem. 
So get to know the normal smell of your dog's ear canal and look at it every day. Lift up their ears and look at it. It's so easy. You shouldn't have to wait till you take your dog to the groomer or the vet before you notice that there's a problem. And, you know, it's so easy. Know the normal smell. Look for the discharge. It'll be red. They'll be scratching. Uh, that's number one. So you want to get to know your dog's ear canals. That's really important. And like Joey said, you know, if they're doing good, they're not excessive hair, don't worry about it. And when you take your dog to the groomer, like Joey said, if your dog's not having a problem, you can discuss it, right, Joey? Discuss your dog's ear canal and should they pluck, should they not pluck? Because what if you just take it to an inexperienced groomer and they go to town and they, like Joey said, you know, they start pulling all that hair and they're using dirty instruments. Now your dog that didn't have a problem has a problem. So that's really good advice. The other thing is um, the ear canal is part of the skin, believe it or not. Skin is the biggest organ of the animal. And so when you do see problems, guess what you think, guess what the biggest underlying problem is, Joey, for a dog presenting with ear infections? The biggest underlying problem that can cause that. Food allergy, okay? That's the number one problem why your dog's getting an ear infection. People are like, why? Because the ears are part of the skin. But what makes them more susceptible? The skin in the ear is what? It's like it's in a little cave and it's dark and it's moist. And the bacteria go, ooh, this is a perfect place. Then the dog starts scratching it. So that's the number one thing. You can actually, what we're doing now all the time, Joey, because we've seen an increase in ear infection, the fancy term is otitis, otitis, O-T-I-T-I-S, inflamed ear canal, is um, we're doing these food allergy testings now in these dogs. And we know we can pinpoint exactly what food your pet is allergic to. Guess what the number one meat is or protein source that causes the ear infections? Beef. Nope. No. Take a guess. A second one. Then then I'm going to say turkey. No. I don't know that. Chicken. For some reason, I think the chicken, is it adulterated? I'm not sure. I've heard from holistic people that the chicken's not like the chicken used to be. Okay? And it triggers... It's a hormone. It's a hormone up. It's a problem. Exactly. So the chicken, because it's not natural... And it has something that's causing, triggers these ear infections. So when we do the blood tests, though, they do test for everything. Uh, beef is also common. You were right on that one. Mm-hmm. Turkey is less common. The biggest ones that we see is like chicken, beef. So we'll test for everything. Lamb, salmon. Um, the Lucy Pet has a limited ingredient diet, duck and potato. And a limited ingredient diet is what? One protein source and one carb. Why? Because then you're limiting what they could be because that's what triggers these food allergies usually is a carbohydrate, right? That's why they have grain-free diets or the protein. So when you have what's called a limited ingredient diet. It, It sounds to me what you're saying almost is stay away from... The, the things that are more mass produced in, in, in our food source. Okay. So chicken is majorly mass produced. Beef is majorly mass produced. 
pork, majorly mass-produced. And then you have something like lamb, like um, venison, um, where it's more sourced from a wild source um, opposed to a farm. So is that does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. You're absolutely right. That's why duck, they're not mass-produced, and they don't seem to be triggering the food allergies in these pets that we see. There was, I did an episode on KTLA on uh, bad pet food, and there was a company that did an independent study, and they actually analyzed the food, Joey, in these limited ingredient bags, okay? So the lamb and rice, guess what the lamb and rice had in it? I bet there was, I bet there was was bone meal in it, I guess, I bet there was corn in it, I bet there was fillers in it, Um, I'm just guessing right now. Okay, there was chicken in it. There was chicken and pork in it. Now, why do you think they would cut a lamb and rice diet with chicken? Cheap. Yes. Do you think there's any regulation? You think the government's like, oh, I think we should analyze all these diets. No, nobody's analyzing them. So it's up to these these people that, you know, pet food is big business. And you have these, just these corrupt companies that don't care that your dog is going to break out and here you are spending money feeding it what I tell you to do. And you go look at this. One thing you can do for yourself, for your pet right now in your pocketbook is to go to a website called Class Action Lawsuit Pet Food. Just type that in. Was an aha moment for pet owners because you have to go with a company that you know is is um, making sure that they're getting the ingredients in the bag. Now, some of these pet food companies, the CEOs at the top, they don't know what's going on, right? This is the low-level guys at the bottom going, oh, yeah, they aren't going to know. No one's going to know if I cut this lamb and rice with a little bit of chicken. So that's what's going on in the pet food industry, and it's really sad. When I was um, on Animal Radio, every week, every week, We would announce pet food recalls. Now, you don't hear about that anywhere. If you didn't listen to the show, because to be honest with you, I never heard. I've been in the industry since 1974. I've never really heard of pet food recalls. I knew they were out there. They had to be because some of the foods are just disgusting. But every week, and some of them were the ones that you would think, and I'm not going to name names because I don't know how it's going to come back to us, but some of the top foods that you would think, okay, this is good. This is great for my pet. It's all natural. Natural means crap, as, 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 as in case you don't know. Um, so you got to investigate. But these were the biggest culprits. And I've also been to a um, to a factory, um, actually a couple of them, where where they manufactured pet food, and the the amount of just bad meat that came in, stuff that was decayed, stuff that was um, which which I didn't know, but from what I was told from people who worked there, because I wasn't supposed to be, cancer-ridden meat, stuff that they just couldn't give to us that then they would give to your pet. So that's why, listen, we're supposed to be talking, I know this got really off topic because we're talking about ears, but this is a great topic. That's why we're seeing so much influx of, of problems. Now, I can go back to when I was grooming dogs in 1970s to now, and I'll tell you what, I have seen the difference in skin conditions, in, in, in bad coat type, in ear problems more than anything else. 
um, in yeasty skin, all of that has increased. I'm going to say doubled from what I've seen in, 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 in the past. I mean, healthy skin and coat is rare these days because of what we're feeding these pets. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. Why would you use something on your pet that you wouldn't use on yourself? This was the philosophy of Equus Grooming Products in 1991 and still is today. We love our pets. They are members of our family. Don't use grooming products that either don't disclose their ingredients or are not honest about what's in them. Equus Grooming Products are the finest quality available. Human-grade cosmetic ingredients and food-grade ingredients, not industrial-grade, and backed 100% by a money-back guarantee. Visit Equus.com and enter DocH at checkout for a 15% discount. That's Equus.com. Don't go cook for your pet because I know people get scared and they run out. So I want everybody to uh, see the link. I need you to take five minutes and watch this segment because what you're talking about, Jerry, was the dead, diseased, and dying meat that is making it into the pet food. How is that possible? Because when these pet food companies are making pet food, they just put out a bid. I need um, 500 pounds of chicken or 500 pounds of lamb or 500 pounds of salmon. They put a bid out. And then there's other, you know, these companies that have the meat, they bid on it. So if they're, you know, have a budget, some of these companies just go for the, oh, well, that one's, how come that one's so much cheaper? I don't care. I'm buying it. Well, why was there euthanasia solution in pet food? How is that possible? Before my segment, I called the FDA and I said to them, I'm suspicious that there may be animals that are being euthanized that's ending in the meat. And that's the only way, Joey, that that can get into pet food. Now, the law is that an animal has to be able to walk to the slaughterhouse. Okay? Can't be dragged. They have to be able to walk and before they can be slaughtered. What's happening is these dead, diseased, dying animals are being euthanized then they're being shipped to these companies. So yes, people get scared then. What you have to do is look at the pet food company and you need to be able to call the president. You need to see that they have transparency. Who is doing their buying? Who's doing their formulas? Can you talk to somebody there so they know what they're doing? Um, you know, the, we are off topic a little bit with the ears, but, you know, we have a lot of people now concerned about grain-free because of the dilated cardiomyopathy. I don't know if you've seen, but there were pets that yes. were getting heart disease from eating grain-free. Well, the research is out now. It's not just grain-free. And what they're thinking, it's the formulas. You have very aggressive people who love animals that go, I think I'm going to do a dog food company. One. I want to feed my dog better and two, make a lot of money. So how are they making their formulas? Let's put a little bit of cranberry. Lentil sounds good. Ooh, I like broccoli. There's no science behind it. It's marketing. You have to choose a pet food company that has someone that knows what they're doing that makes their formulas. Now, I vouch for Lucy Pet because I know Dr. Faye teaches nutrition at University of Illinois. I feed his food. I know that's one I can recommend. There's others that are out there. You need, and at the end of my segment, I said, do your due diligence. 
And if you can't get answers, like who makes your formulas? Uh, wh- who's supplying or where are you getting your food supplies from? Then you I got to stop careful. you. Hold on. I got to stop you a second because you're talking about this. And this is something that I don't know that I actually need to know for myself. How do I get this information? Because in this day and age, nobody has a phone number anymore. You can email people a hundred times. You don't get an answer back. So how, how do, do I, the general pet owner, how do I find out what's, you know, what, what, what they're doing? Start out with their website. You might be able to find all those answers on their website. If you can't, make a phone call. You can't get anywhere there. Send an email. Also, the FDA has updated list of recalls. How many times has that company had a recall? Go to that website that we're going to have the link to. Please do your due diligence. You know that pets have died from eating dog food. Do do you know how many people are going to be surprised that they find that their company has probably been on there a dozen or more times um, because it is eye-opening? And one thing I do want to say, because you you hit the nail on the head. A lot of people then say, okay, I'm going to make food in my kitchen for for my pet. And I got to let everyone know because there's a big misconception that dogs are carnivorous and dogs are omnivores, okay? That's why in the wild... um, pack dogs will go and when they kill their prey the first thing they attack is the stomach because they need the undigested vegetation or the pre-digested vegetation so that's why they go for that area because that is full of the nutrients that they need to live so if you think that you're going to put your dog on an all-meat diet you know you might be thinking you're doing something good but you're doing something very destructive to them very important topic to bring up dogs are not carnivores They're what Joey said. They are omnivores. That's been proven by science. Now, we're not going to talk about raw food and everything because we can't get into it. But I want to cycle back to the ear, back to the ear again, that everyone now you've learned too. you know, the, the, the canals and L shape, like Joey said, you can, you know, you need to be careful what you're putting in the ears. Don't put water. Don't make your own thing. Don't put, um, Hydrogen peroxide, don't use Q-tips because those can break off. You should be using something you get from your vet or your groomer or a ear cleansing solution made for dogs. And we all know what's the number one underlying health problem that causes the ear infections, Joey? <laughs> Food allergies. Correct. And also water, water in the ear too. What are you supposed to do with your pet if you want to give them a bath and you don't want to get water in their ears what can an owner do at home put cotton in the dog's ears thank you that's right just make sure you take it out i have taken cotton balls out of dog's ears that and people are saying my dog's ears smell horrible they do and you go in to clean it and and you find a cotton ball that's been in for six weeks it's like listen if you're going to do this take the cotton out of the dog's ears and i don't know how you leave it in there but so it's so that's the thing that owners need to understand when they're going to give their dog a bath, they got to put the cotton balls to protect the ear canal, which is a long L-shaped. If you get a little water in there, it's like a little swamp and some bacteria just like to grow. Um, the other thing I want to cover in this ear thing is how to clean a dog's ear. And it's very simple. I have um, a video on it. It's so simple. Knowing the dog's ear canal is like an L. 
and knowing the drum is at the bottom and knowing that's where the infection starts because that's the deepest, darkest place with uh, bacteria to grow. You just take the ear cleansing solution, which usually has like a nozzle on it. You put it in the dog's ear canal and you squeeze it until it backflows out. That means that it went all the way down to the drum and came back out, right? You say, oh, it came back out. Hold your dog's ear, massage it, and then shake your head. Shake your head, shake your head, shake your head. Take a cotton ball and then wipe whatever's come out. If it's clean, you don't have to do it again. If there's black junk, you got to keep doing that until you get all that out. If you can't get that out, you got to come to a veterinarian. Um, we actually have a, Joey, we actually have a scope, an otoscopic endoscope that we will sedate a dog to do this deep flush and take pictures in these poor dogs that have scarred ear canals from years of uh, not having their ears treated. Can I ask a question? Because I've just recently, I've seen this before, but I recently seen it again, where we did exactly what um, th- what you said um, with the dog's ear, and it really didn't have any smell to it, okay? But after cleaning out the ear, I'm shaking him, have wiping it out, through the grooming process, um, holding the dog's face, and I had my thumb right underneath the ear, like like um, behind the jawbone, and feeling around. And you heard some, you heard some swishing around and lightly pushing. All of a sudden, white came out like pus. Okay, what would something like that be be caused by? And and how come that didn't come out on the initial cleansing? Because that's the body's trying to fight off the infection for so long that it's made that thick mucus pus. And so that's where you have to, we'll use like a bulb syringe, like a baby bulb, you know, the bulb thing, and have to just suck that stuff out. It's so thick it won't come out. So that's a dog that is going to have to have an ear culture, going to have to be put on Batril. That's a that's a dog that's suffering. Ear infections do not cause deafness. But what they do do is they cause scarring of the ear canal. So I have clients that have to flush every three days or he gets an infection. He just, he doesn't have a floor anymore. She wasn't doing it right. She was using a cotton ball and just wiping. People are so afraid to hurt him by, you know, putting that ear solution in and squeezing it hard so it hits the drum. You know, and I also want to caution that if that eardrum is broken, you're going to have a problem. So if your dog is not letting you do this, you better take him to the vet. They shouldn't have a problem with you cleaning their ears. Okay, so I have um, Lisa here from um, Florida. And Lisa, this is a funny one, actually. Um, apparently, um, she was, I believe she was in the bathroom, what it says, and coming out of the bathroom, and um, the cat attacked her, and she didn't, she didn't know what to do. And um, I've seen that. You know, do you ever see? I don't know if you've ever experienced that. But it's funny because... I was once in a parking lot, and it was I was leaving the grooming salon, and it was cold. It was winter. It was like one of those nights that you remember was like the coldest night of the year. And I had a cat r- brushing up against my leg, and it was like, oh, this poor cat's freezing. And we took the cat in, and the cat was attacking all of us in the house. So we ended up finding a new home for the cat, someone that can handle it. But did you have you ever experienced that? That's called ambush. Ambush behavior, which is a actual natural 
behavior in a cat. So what they'll do is they'll ambush their prey. So um, that's not uncommon, unfortunately. And so what you have to do is you have to have a squirt bottle with water and you have to have a can with rocks in it or coins, Coke can, because their hearing's very sensitive when you don't know a cat, especially if you're going over taking care of somebody's cat that you're not familiar with. So if you have those two things ready and you can see, now you know with dogs, when they wag their tail, it means what? They're happy. Excited. What does it mean when it when when a cat wags its tail? Yeah, no, that's not good. It's not a good sign. A cat flicking. Bet watch out. They will give you a warning. So if you have a squirt bottle and the coke can, and you scare them like that, because they really want to avoid confrontation. And so, you know, that's the thing is that. I would say, if especially if you're going into their litter box, okay, that's like a big deal for them. So the, the key would be to shut the door. Don't let the cat be in there when you're cleaning their litter box, okay? Shut the door. I never knew yeah. that. Yeah. I never experienced a cat not let me clean the litter no, box. No, but if you're, in their, you're in their bathroom. That's Usually I'm mad cleaning their litter box. They ain't coming near me. <laughs> Well, and the, clean and, the, the and the cat was probably bored out of its mind, right? It's gotten, I always say two cats are better than one. Joey, I've always had two cats. Why? Let them ambush each other. That's normal behavior for a cat. If there isn't another cat there, guess what gets ambushed? You, your leg, your leg, your arm. It's because that's what they do. I mean, and you know, Cats play rough, Joey. You should see my cats. Like they'll be, and then then they're licking themselves. You know, it's like a married couple. It's it's hysterical. I mean, that's just cats. So you have to be armed because you can get seriously injured by a cat. They have claws and they have teeth, and you got to know the warning signs. The other thing is when cats get overstimulated. Happens all the time. You know, you're petting your cat, you're rubbing their tummy, you're, and then all of a sudden, the tail, okay? You got to stop. When you see that tail, the tail go, you stop because they're warning you, okay, I'm getting overstimulated and I have a predatory drive to bite and attack you. And it's not that they don't like you and they're not horrible cats. It's just part of their behavior. And people, cats are very misunderstood. They're not they're not like dogs and uh, you know really they don't want to fight um, but that is something that you have to always be aware that you know that's in their DNA you know they're obligate carnivores do you know what that means they're, they're, they're meat eaters they have to get their amino acids from their diet so if you have an animal unlike a dog that's an omnivore that can eat vegetables and fruit and all that. How is a cat wired to get its meal if it's an obligate carnivore? Is it just going to find a? Is it just going to find a piece of steak on the side no, of the road? No, it's it's a hunter. Yes, they have. So they're still domesticated. I mean, they're still so cats are still. You know, uh, in the wild, they would have to hunt. So they've only been domesticated like half the time a dog has. So they're still wired for that. So they have to hunt to catch their meal. And so that's why they have that. Have you ever felt the tongue of a cat? Yeah, sandpaper. And you know why? 
that's little hooks on their tongue to lick the meat off the bone. When I do kids and I take Ricky to the schools, I let them feel his tongue because I want them to understand that they're, they're not like a dog. And they have very few taste buds compared to dogs and humans. Humans have the most. We have double what a dog, dog has, about 1,200. Cats have half of that. Cats have like 800. Why do you think that is, that they have very few taste buds? They have limited, limited diet? Yeah, and I mean, think about if they really could taste the viscera that they had to eat, it would make them sick. So they don't even have a lot of taste buds because evolutionarily, they don't need a lot of taste buds. They're going to be eating the same kind of bird, uh, you know, uh, lizard, mice, mice and you know, um, rodent. Yeah, they don't need a lot of taste. Buds. They don't need to taste that. <laughs> they don't want to you're taste. Better that. off. You're better off not knowing what you're eating. It don't taste like. <laughs> That's right. So now we know that if you don't know a cat, you got to be careful and you got to be armed with ways to um, protect yourself and a towel. You know, throw a towel over them, put put them in the dark, and be prepared. Don't take a chance of getting attacked by a cat. Yeah. Wow. And please, please, please send us your questions. Doc and Joey Unleashed at gmail.com. That's how you're going to learn. I know everyone has the same questions. You want to cover all the topics that you want us to cover. We love doing this. Joey from New Jersey and Doc in LA. And now our medical minute from Doc Halligan. Did you know you can ask for discounts? Yes, we give discounts if you ask. What kind of discounts? Senior discounts. We give rescue discounts. February is National Dental Month, so you want to take advantage of that. We also do package deals. So sometimes if you're bringing in three or four animals at a time, we're going to give you a discount. Sometimes when we do blood and urine packages, we're going to give you like a geriatric panel discount. You need to ask for discounts. They're there. The vets just need you to ask, and you'd be surprised how much money you can save by asking for discounts at your vet. I'm going to go in and ask for discounts. Wonderful. Tune in to Doc Halligan Unleashed with Joey Villani. We will be everywhere, anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Joey Villani and I will be there. Bye.